Sip tea, the darker girl is sweeter Feels cool, but it's hotter than a fever Kick back with two of your favorite divas Let's talk, let's talk, come on Start it, give it something you can feel, yeah No faking, we gotta keep it real, yeah Pour it and pull up, we'll see, yeah, yeah And don't you know it's high time for high tea With your favorite baddies with Bambi and Lucy Let's gather around and sip some black Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of The Black Tea. I am one of your hosts on this show. My name is Lucy Stuhl, and we have the beautiful... Bambi Banks Kool-Aid. Good morning, y'all. How's it going? Uh, it is going up in here. You know, we were chatting a little bit before this. We already had, like, our morning smoke session, so we are uh, past our giggle fits it's and ready to... It's, it's a real It's a real vibe. But I'm glad we got our giggle fits out of the way so that we can uh, go ahead and jump into this conversation, Miss Lady. Hell yes. First, I want to ask, how are you? How's your life? How's it going? What's new with you? Well, okay, here's some news that I am like finally letting myself celebrate and enjoy the fact that I bought myself a new car. Period. Yes. Fucking oh, no. period. Fuck fucking period. Um, yes. <clears throat> I have uh fought to like rebuild my fucking credit after like fucking myself over as a twenty something uh to this point. And um yeah, it's uh just a few days before my thirty sixth birthday and my credit and the money that I fucking worked my ass off allowed me to get a nice new little automobile. So period. can you pick me up, please? I need a ride. Bitch. You know, you always got a spot in Black Betty. She I, she Black got room Betty, for you. Yes, come on, name. I named, <laughs> okay, look, so my first car was a Black BMW 1995, right? Damn. I know, girl. My parents really set me up with that one. Um, <laughs> no air conditioning, leather seat, uh, a coin holder in it. I named her Wanda. After, Wanda. After the girl from Magic School Bus. I really fucked with her. <laughs> Wanda, hell yes. yes the leather seats and no AC, that no is AC like in the wrong. Of Texas. Bruh, I so, used to have to change my clothes to drive. Uh, because <laughs> it'd be so funny. I kid you not. This is real. <laughs> no, ass and thighs stuck to that seat all day long, girl. That is the uh, trauma I grew up with because my mama always had leather seats. It was cute for her, but my fat ass be burning up in the summertime because, you know, my family's in Houston. Yeah, same. So, like, it just wasn't a vibe, but she was all the vibe I had because I could get around. So, props to you, mama. Um, <laughs> Not the props to you, mama. Props to you, mama. Props to you, mama. <laughs> but... Yes, um, let's get into these topics. I really want to talk about, um, you know, the strength in using your voice as a queer Black person. Um, and oh, wow. And uh, how to speak up. And is there importance in silence? Uh, and, you know, mm. our first guest of the day, she is known for speaking out. You know, she always got something to say. Uh, <laughs> whether she's reading me in the group chat. <laughs> Or dragging girls uh, on the internet. <laughs> she has always, you know, been a guiding light to me. Because uh, a lot of people don't know, when I started drag, a lot of people think that just because I'm a Kool-Aid, like me and Shay knew each other since I first started drag. But I actually um, didn't really get to know Shay until like uh, a year or so into drag. So like the first people to actually like guide me and the first people that I actually like followed around like a little puppy, as most baby drag queens do, was... Uh, the Vixen and Lucy. So please give it up for the Vixen. Hey, hey, hey. hey oh Vixen, good morning, girl. Good morning. I've never heard Bambi say a nice thing. I'm so shook right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the nice girl. Y'all be playing. Mm -mm. That, I know you get it from your auntie. You get it from your auntie. <laughs> 
She said never heard her say a nice thing. Uh, I wish you could see the Black Girl Magic group chat. Actually, you don't need to see it. No, that's none of your business. (laughs) It is one of my favorite things in the world. I get so much fucking joy from that group chat. It is. It's unmatched. There really is none other like it. Um, Vixen honestly just said the first nice thing she's ever said to me yesterday. So, um, oh my god, you know it's too well, hot around here. It's, oh, okay, I see. What it is. I, <laughs> I, I didn't even mean to say it. It was I had been drinking. I feel like I, that. Um, I could tell, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, Vixen, how are you doing today? How has life been? What's going on? What's new? I'm good. You know, y'all got y'all doing this wake and bake thing, and if it's two things I don't do, is one wake up and two cook. So. <laughs> Like wake, it's wake and bake. It's, it's not good. You are a fool. Oh, so, but I'm doing good. I'm you know am working on having the best quarantine ever. I don't think anybody is benefiting as much as I am off of this current climate. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Quarantine had to work for somebody, and so I'm. It had to work for somebody. And you know what? Life was hard before, so let's flip it, right? Let's just fucking flip it. Um, So I'm, you know, accepting that this is my moment and working really hard. I love well, if there's anybody that deserves to have a fucking moment at any time in the world, it is you, the vixen. You have, um, like, done countless things for not only the black community in Chicago, but the entire fucking drag community in Chicago. You have always been a vocal fucking ally. You have always put yourself out in front of other people at the risk of harming yourself in your own bag to make sure that people got what they deserved and, you know, people were hurt. And, like, that is... That's... tough fucking thing to do like that is a really tough fucking thing to do like have you always been like that like were you that little kid yeah i was and it's like it really was like it was just like it's the way i was raised like my mom made lying seem like the worst thing you could possibly do like it was just and so for me, like, and then I would get in trouble in school because somebody would say something. And I'd be like, that's not what you said. And, stay, <laughs> stay out of grown folks' business, right? And it just always stuck with me. Like, if if there's one thing that I can't do is tell I could bite my tongue for a little while, but eventually <laughs> it's going to come up. Um, so it's, you know, and, but the thing is, telling the truth is right. There's never the wrong time to tell the truth. And, it might make it awkward, but eventually you're going to be glad that you heard the fucking truth. So I just do? try to, sorry. Yeah. Keep on. I just try to, I just try to stick to my guns and know that, you know, it, it might not win me awards right away, but eventually people look back and be like, damn, that was the truth. <laughs> what do you have to say for people who uh, aren't really uh, brave enough to speak the truth all the time though? Um, it's really about survival is what I think. And I, I'm not graceful in a lot of things, but the way I do think that I have learned grace is knowing, especially when you're dealing with like racism and just patriarchy, like we're all trying to survive it in our own way. And you can't really tell somebody that they're doing it wrong because the point is to fucking stay alive and to make money, right? Um, so when I see people, you know, not putting the passion or not putting themselves out on a limb the way that I am, I really can't blame them because it's a fucking limb. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> I, I wouldn't wish this shit on nobody. It's really, it really is tough. And, um, so I've just had to learn to accept that, you know, everybody's trying to survive in their own way. And, Eventually, you know, like the work that I do makes it easier for other people to join. And then once they join, it makes it easier for more people. And you just have to meet people where they are. Don't I? Oof, bitch, if you had talked to 2017, I was just about to say, when people talk about like growth and stuff too, like I've seen that like happen with you, like in real time. And like, I've always felt like you've always been on the right side of everything. But I do feel like in time you have figured out a different approach at it yeah. <laughs> that's also made it that's also made it easier for you because it, it mm-hmm. was harder on you it was harder on you you were always yeah. angry and carrying that with you and like no one in this situation deserves th- that like you should right. be carrying that with you 
Um, Especially not alone. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. And speaking of that growth, like how did you uh, come to find when when it was important to speak out and like what the like what to say when speaking out that and like where did it like change for you? Well, I mean, you know, after doing Drag Race and like literally just having my ass handed to me by the world, (laughs) just like. Me being like, I believe in truth and goodness, and this is what I have to say. Shut mm-hmm. the fuck up. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, well, um, how do I present goodness in a way that people want to participate in? Um, and I think it really is just like, it comes to one, like, I and I, I was just talking to Bambi about this yesterday, it's like, Sometimes you have to allow yourself to be the victim. And what that really is, is allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Because I'm the type of person, if I'm offended, my reaction is not to say that I'm hurt, it's to say that I'm mad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think when people receive, you you did something to hurt me. Like if you tell somebody that they hurt you, they listen with a different ear than if you tell them that they upset you. And so... Just like having that approach and learning the language that um, gets results, honestly. Shay, our sister and your mother, Shay, um, talks about, you know, intent versus impact. And so mm-hmm. I, I had a big impact, but it wasn't quite, <laughs> wasn't quite what I intended. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just, just tailoring that to um, what my real mission is. God, it's just been so beautiful to be able to watch that because <clears throat> I felt like, yeah, when you originally went on the show, people people were like not really ready to grasp that. And as we've seen as in what's going on with the movement right now, a lot of people still aren't really, really ready to have that conversation. But it did it did open a lot of eyes and it did bring in a lot of people to you and to the movement, you know, uh, ahead of its time, um, because you are out there being so vocal about it and like saying those things in drag race, because honestly, we had never seen nothing like that before on that show. Nobody had went, nobody had ever really went that far on that show to like say so many of those things. Like that's, so fucking major to me like that is like like, watching it in the bars and and being like i don't think anyone has ever broken a fourth wall the way that she did in this uh untucked you you pointed at those cameras and said because these cameras will pick up your white kids it's me i'm cameras oh my god and that was so major because you were like pointing at them bitches in their living room and being you you (laughs) and that's why they i feel like that's why so many people were upset because they were like this black bitch and got up into our house and pointed her finger right up at me he like indeed the tv's leaking (laughs) (laughs) it was a glorious fucking moment I mean, like, in the moment, I was just, you know, telling the truth to me. But um, later, what I found out is no one in any reality TV franchise had addressed the racism in the fandom. And you, I'm sure they experienced it in Top Model and stuff like that, too. Oh, yeah. But it just hadn't been caught up. So, like, it was big for Drag Race, but then I was getting, like, messages and stuff from, like, just other reality stars being, like, fucking thank you and i was like oh okay um but that's the important part is like a lot of times when we go to say the uncomfortable thing and we feel like oh you don't realize that there's so many other people in the room wishing that somebody would say something mm-hmm. and i mean do you find it being like a queer black artist that it's easier to speak up because i feel that a lot of the times in the room, people are already like looking at you if you are of a minority oh, or different or other. So it's really easy for me to say whatever I want to because people are expecting me to say something. <laughs> with. Yeah, um, it it feels like yeah, especially if you're like the only minority in the room and somebody says something problematic, everybody looks to you and it's like, why does this? Why does the job fall on me? Like when you know, do we have any wrong. allies in it? Right, everybody knows it's wrong. Can somebody be an ally in this moment? But yeah, yeah they always look to you. It's like I have to yeah. be the victim and do the work and mm-hmm. do the teaching. Exactly, you have to do all. Of so that. I gotta be offended, go low, go high, then turn around and teach <laughs> up. No. 
Somebody gonna get dragged tonight. <laughs> they like fucked up like doing that to people like me though, because I'm like, bitch, you met the the right one on the wrong day. I'm ready to tell you absolutely everything. <laughs> like, yeah. like you're about to hear it all. Oh, you waiting on me to say something? Oh, gladly. I would yeah. love to. <laughs> that's my that's my guru second phase of or you know, that's my growth is being like I ain't got time to be. I had plans for my day. I did not wake up with the intention to teach you. You know what? Don't even be stupid. I'm going to take receipts. And when I feel like teaching your ass, it's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just see people like. I, I do that a lot too. I stop myself from like actually like speaking my mind a lot of the time. And then it builds up in me when I see someone continually performing mm-hmm. the same acts and then I have to say something. And then it's usually like, you know, a weird approach. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, you know what? That's so funny to me too, because like people like you and like uh, Vixen and like me, like a lot of people talk shit about us because they're like, they're always running their mouths. They're always starting fights with people. They're always picking this and that. And I'm like, if y'all knew just how much shit we didn't say, Oh my god. Like the drafts that stay in Black Girl Magic. I'm like, if y'all fucking knew how much we kept our mouth shut and how much it takes us to get to the point that we feel like we have to like fucking pop off in these ways to say something, it has to be fucking major. Like we've seen that. It's just wild to me that like sometimes the way people like approach like like just speaking to someone who is speaking out in, in their behalf. Uh, I think it's wild that some people like to start arguments with me when I'm making it better for everybody. Everybody. I'm literally <laughs> like, yeah. like for instance, it's like you're the only person trying to like improve the environment and people try to stop you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what's going on? What's wrong with me saying that, you know, the artist uh, now known as Darby Lynn's name is problematic if it's problematic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going yeah. to say that out loud in the yeah. public because yeah. her name is public. So, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We all see it. We all know it's a problem. So, yeah. like, what is, like, the only way to get that done is to address the problem and then things change and her name is yeah. now Darby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, people can say so much about like what I did and what my approach was on season 10 and you could have came about it a little bit better. The fact is, since season 10, every winner of Drag Race has been black. Except my Queen Trinity. Except my Queen Trinity. But Except my sad. Queen Trinity. But she's a she's a Sagittarius. We have the same birthday. She cool. And she, <laughs> she does bring potato salad to the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> So all I'm saying is, you know, you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. You're big welcome. welcome. (laughs) Y'all can take that and run with it. But on that note, before we just get lost in it, because like this is like what we do almost every day. Uh Let's go ahead and bring our next guest in, Bambi. Yes, our next guest is from the Brave Space Alliance. They're uh, also a DJ. And uh, we recently have uh, reconnected because I know that we uh, performed a couple gigs before together uh, in some hotels downtown. Uh, yes. Please give it up for our guest, Jay Rice. That's claps. That's y'all clapping. Y'all clapping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Jay. It is good to be here. Thank you. I love how you put that, though. We, we performed in a few hotels together. That's, yeah. I mean, you were there. I was there. We were doing our thing. It was at an event. <laughs> how are you doing today, Jay? Oh, man. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I am drained. Uh, we were at the protests uh, that happened this past Friday, so... It's just been a lot. It's been a lot of heavy energy. But I mean, right now I'm feeling, oh shit, I don't know, activated in a different way. Uh, I'm feeling rested and drained at the same time. So I mean, Mm. that's where I am. That is truly the state of the world. Um, that is yeah. the state of the world, rested and drained at the same time. Because <laughs> it's like we are in our house and it is still draining. It is wild out here. <laughs> um, so could you tell our listeners a little bit about Brave Space Alliance? What's been going on with y'all before we get into these topics real quick? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Brave Space Alliance is the only 
uh, Black-led, trans-led, LGBTQ center on the South Side, uh, and we service all of Chicago. Um, Our mission really comes down to providing resources that are not only uh, culturally competent, but also affirming as well, specifically to the Black trans community. Uh, And we do that in the form of mutual aid. There's different support groups. We have our crisis pantry that we opened up during, uh, as a response to COVID, but now we're actually trying to make that permanent, a permanent thing. Um, And right now, currently what we're also doing is this type of uh, emergency resources, right? So when when the store shut down on the South Side, uh, you know, Brave Space Alliance is one of the only uh, places where folks can come and get diapers on a consistent basis, shampoo, different items, also with food items as well. But, you know, those different items that you couldn't get, uh, that you don't usually get at food pantries. Yeah. Um, so on top of that, and then also providing things like jail support, which has been a big thing these past three months. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to kind of get a different idea around what jail support and what uh, supplies for protesters look like. It's this idea of like advanced supplies, right? So let's, okay, we see there's an action. Let's get these supplies before everyone gets arrested, before we get to the spot. You know what I mean? So we've been doing a lot of that, a lot of on the ground work with the different actions, a lot of work with Black Lives Matter Chicago and different organizations around here just trying to provide resources and literally safe havens when the uprising happened in high park we opened up our doors and we were we were open i think to like two o'clock in the morning for places for uh, a place for protesters to come and not only hide out but you know get some food get some rest charge that your phone amazing. all that stuff so that's what we've been doing lately you know we've been doing our, our usual mutual aid programs but now it's kind of transitioned into this emergency type of funding for not only covid before the uprisings that are going on in chicago that is amazing. That is really amazing. Where can people like support you? You can hit up uh, bracebasealliance.org. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all Bracebase Alliance. Uh, any of that to keep up with updates. You can contribute to our building fund that we're doing right now. We're trying to yes. raise $800,000 for a, um, to kind of up our building a little bit and make it more equitable and uh, a good place for LGBTQ folks to come. In addition to, like I spoke on earlier, the uh, making our crisis pantry permanent. So that's what we're doing right now. And and did you guys uh, like, you know, because we saw uh, we got connected with you, Jay, through the um, the uh, march that just happened a while back. So um, how did you guys uh, decide to start Brave Space Alliance when there were no resources at all? Like you guys are like the first ones in Chicago, not only in Chicago, but like just ever. Correct. Right, right. Um, and you know, I, I can't even speak on that uh, a lot because I've only been at Brave Space for three months. I oh, think I people think I, people think I've been there for years. <laughs> um, I just kind of jumped into things. Yeah, uh, no. but I mean, but I mean, yes. but it all comes down to, I mean, what what do what have trans black women been doing? since the beginning of time that's and that's making time, yeah. <laughs> that's making a way out of no way literally and what Lasaya and the rest of the people at BSA have done has literally been I mean BSA started as uh, uh on the boot or on the ground boots on the ground type of deal before it even became like this uh LGBT resource center that we see now it it was it was a response to uprisings it was a response to um trans women's murders not being solved here in Chicago so it it it, it got activated out of organic grassroots activism mm-hmm. so you know i mean when those resources weren't there they they made a way <laughs> they 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 yeah. band together they they did what they had to do but i mean this organization is and has always been like an activist based organization that started out of grassroots organizing out of the need for uh the liberation of black trans women in general so yeah i think that's how they did it they did it the way trans women have always been doing it and it is oh yes it's crazy i mean that you say that because uh zola uh the other day i was looking at her story and she was talking about how uh black trans women are often made activists even if they even if it isn't something that is for them it's like just Mm -hmm. a part of being uh, a black trans woman in our day and age and you know any age i'm sure but um that's crazy to me that like as a black trans woman, you are forced to use your voice out of survival, and that is the only way that we can survive. Um, and that's why I find it so important for black 
queer artists to speak up. And I think that it's so important that we do use our voices any way that we can, because at the end of the day, if we aren't using our voices, we aren't surviving. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, And so I just think that's, uh, that's just really special that Brave Space Alliance is something that came out of Chicago, you know? Hell yeah. And I just wanted to touch back on again, In the midst of all of this, in the midst of everything everyone is doing, like on the streets, actually being out there, um, supplying like the community with all of this stuff, y'all are also raising $800,000 to up the space. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and like how we can help contribute to that? Because I have been like pushing all my money towards it because I want to make sure that I like see this happen. And I want everyone else to be like as on board with that too. And we really appreciate all the fundraisers, the independent fundraisers that I mean, specifically people on this call has done. Uh, it's yeah. been great. Uh, what we're doing is, like you said, we're opening the space. We're making it uh, more culturally affirming. Uh, yes. we're, <laughs> because that's yes. the point, right? There's so many yeah. orgs, especially in Chicago. <clears throat> oh, fuck. So many orgs in Chicago, yeah. they're like, hey, we have resources. Great. Are they culturally affirming? Yeah. <laughs> or are they culturally yeah. equitable or oh, great you've got this but what are you really doing you know what i mean so it that's that's a really important aspect to making the space culturally affirming for black trans and black lgbtq folks to come to um and then the other half of that is making this crisis pantry permanent you know yes. the crisis pantry it, it just it popped up out of necessity it's covid people can't leave the house cool as brace Space alliance as an lgbtq resource center we need to do something, right? So, yeah. but now, you know, it's July and we're like, this needs to be permanent. Why? And, and we are talking about, this is the only LGBTQ ran pantry in the Midwest. So yeah. like wow. that needs to be permanent. And how you can help, I mean, visiting the site, going under the donate button, um, kind of following our Instagram. I'm always posting about, uh, posting links to our actual campaign building um links and stuff like that. So paying attention to our social media is really the best way. And also just going on uh going on our website or hitting up that Venmo at Breakspace-Alliance. Yes. Yes. At Breakspace-Alliance. Those phones will get used, I'm telling you. Yes. So, I mean, any way, any way that could be done. And, and I mean, when we're talking about community equity, it's also sharing, right? Social media is, yep. is important. So if you can't give, share the hell out of our stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm sure someone in your network is in the, a position to give. Uh, but that's the best way. That's the best way. And that's the most important thing we're doing right now is trying to raise this money for this building campaign so that we do have a, uh, an amazing space on the South side for us, for people who look like us who are on this call to go to, to get resources, to get food, to get a support group, to get uh, tips, HIV prevention, all everything, again, that comes into that actual culturally affirming resources that we need. So yeah, the building fund, you can, it's at Brave Space dash alliance on the venmo and uh yeah you can go on our site and get all the links for the uh building campaign see y'all heard that and this is a chance for you to actually do some real community building work right here put the money into the hands of the people that need it in this situation this is the most important thing i'm not trying to hit on nobody else but howard brown got their own fucking money let's put some money into brave space alliance and these real community black-led organizations and like, I work with them. Like I say this shit all the time. I'm like, we need to be putting the money into the hands of the people that actually fucking need it. So sure. like, this is a real big chance to do that. This is a real big chance to do that. So Miss Bambi, should we go ahead and bring our next guest in also so we can have everybody in here in the conversation? Oh, hell yes, please. Okay, so I'm so ready for this next guest. Um, the first time she booked me for a gig, it was at Exit. I don't know if any of y'all know that location. Anymore. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, I think we were having problems with, oh, no, no, no. Somebody was performing and a lot of our uh, white patrons weren't paying attention. They were doing their own thing. And this next guest stormed on stage, stormed off the stage, went to the DJ booth and said, hey, you white motherfuckers, pay attention to me. I have my titties out for you. So please give it up for Petty Crocker. Yes, yeah. Petty Crocker. Hey y'all! <laughs> fabulous, fabulous, fabulous intro. Um, I appreciate that. 
That is so interesting because I would love to actually talk about that club experience because I've never. Oh, we jumping right into it today, Miss Betty. Let's talk about it because I've never talked about how horribly they treated me. Rumors made a statement, but I was physically assaulted by Exit Club Security. Oh my god! And we don't talk about what we actually go through as DJs. There was a white man with dreads who came up to me thinking I was selling drugs. (gasps) Because I was selling petty butter out of my purse. And he would said, there's a, like a little back room because Exit had no provisions for drag queens. Nastiest fucking back yep. room ever. Disgusting. Disgusting. It's very gross. So we had to like make our own provisions. Maybe I brought my own mirror, brought my own uh, curtain and stuff. People had no fucking respect. The patrons had no fucking respect. And this patron said, "This is you know that this used to be called the rape room. And he told that to me. He that? said that to me. And when I tell you security was nowhere to be found, I was going up and down finding security. So I finally had to curse him out. And then when I left and I was trying to get back my stuff, they assaulted me. They left. They were. They didn't question him as a patron. They assaulted me because I cursed him out and I got loud and I did their job for them. Girl. So fuck what exit. Fuck? I have never even said shit about it. I've never said shit about it. But it's fuck exit since day one. Period. Fuck that. Period. That place has always seemed. I don't. You don't pay DJs enough. You don't pay parties enough. And they were mad because we were getting more traction. And it sucks because I haven't had a Friday or Saturday night event since then. Yeah. And you know, I know that. Well, and that's a bigger conversation that we need to have about like nightlife in general, and um, about the way nightlife treats black women Period. in general. And oh, that yeah. was like such a wild thing because when I tell you something went down, we had that party once a month. Rumors at exit once a month. Uh-huh. And, you yeah. know, shout out to the rumors family. I'm no longer a part of them, but they are I'm, uh, officially, but that's still family. I love all the people, Ariel, Dell, Duchess, all the people putting together rumors, work, making that function party happen. Black, queer, yeah. electronic music, techno music. We go hard. Alternative. Yes. Like, <laughs> people of color. We love it. But I have nothing good to say about exit. Like, let I tell you, shit went down every single time. Shit went down two times before that final time where we were like, we can't do this party anymore. And I think about that moment, and that was such a pivotal moment in my life. Like, it was raining outside. I, like, there's so... It was one of the most... One of the worst nights of my life, honestly. And I've had a lot of horrible moments since then. But I'm happy that I talked about it because I have never said, like, just how badly I have been treated... In in this industry, baby, I'm just playing music, yeah. but that's the power of music, and that's also the power of <laughs> a black woman who will not stand for misbehavior and mistreatment. Like, how are you going to be a white man with thick ass? When I tell you the the the, the dreads were this thick, and right now it's like a, a, I'm, you know this is a podcast, so I you know when I'm saying this thick, I'm doing my hair. You can't see it, <laughs> but know that this is at least like three inches in diameter. Some thick ass nasty white dress. I'm like, so y'all have known him since them shits were at his shoulders. And now it's at his back. So that's why you're picking his side because you've seen the lock journey. And you are <laughs> not the lock journey. Not the lock journey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that kind, of, that kind of brotherhood type shit is such a fucking problem and this is like fucking patriarchy bullshit that like goes up to the fucking top and like it is to me i don't have any fucking i don't have no loyalties to a lot of this club shit to these to these walls to these parties to these institutions because i'm over here like yeah. i've always made more money on my own you know, I'm a DJ, the wife of Wrath. I do yeah. under the wife of Wrath. You know, nightlife under Petty Crocker. Uh, Petty, Petty Mogul now. Because <laughs> she's embracing it all. I love it, Miss Petty. Miss Petty Crocker said, I'm okay. about to do my own <laughs> intro here on this show right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm over here. Yeah, keep going. Right, tell about that Petty Butter. But I'm over here, like, I, I'm so grateful for having Petty Butter because it's taught me so much. And it's taught me that I don't need these motherfuckers. I truly don't. You know? Mm-hmm. Everybody and their mama sells mm-hmm. butter, and that's okay. I don't. That means there's no competition. 
Because at the end of the day, there are 7 billion people in this world and everybody needs to be more strived. And I know my shit bangs. Period. <laughs> so, it does. It does. Oh my gosh, you know you know you know what time I don't need your one hundred dollars. It's it's actually very foul. It's very foul. Ooh. I'm gonna quote my mother Wallace, Mr. Cool Mom, Cool Mom. Yeah. Wallace right now. I'm gonna uh-huh. do the math on yeah. these niggas. You gotta watch Joanne for them figures. She's a scam. These <laughs> niggas are scammy. The math does not add up. <laughs> Yes. We talked about this yesterday too about opening the fucking books because we're like, people are talking about they got the books. Open the books. I told before the show started, I said, this is what everybody's getting paid. This is what this money is going towards. This is how much the host is getting paid. Mm hmm. This is how much every performer is getting. Every performer got paid evenly. The DJs got paid evenly as the performers. Yeah. I got paid evenly as the performers. Yeah. And see, like, like this model can be done. And that's what drives me crazy about it is so many people say, like, our hands are tied. And, like, being a producer, I know, like, it sometimes it is pulling some money out of nowhere and making other shit happen. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who own these bars yes. and the people who run these sort of situations in these institutions mm-hmm. because they keep a lot of money from us and it all they always say okay what comes to running the club it comes to booking these people and blah 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 well i understand that and i also understand about you know paying for space and everything else a part of it but you're also not opening the books for me so you're not really showing me what we're bringing in what we're making you're telling me that this certain percentage is what i get and this is what we're supposed to survive off of well for the most part i make sure that everyone's paying and i'm not making any money in this situation so i'm like somebody needs to come for real and really open these fucking books the because because someone's not being honest in this situation and it's such a trap yeah it's, it's a trap because if you don't know like say you're throwing an event and you produce a monthly event or whatever and you don't know what the bottom line is every night you don't know what you earned the bar that night you don't know what your show is worth yeah you don't know how much Say, cause say if you want to take the show somewhere else, you don't know what to ask for because you don't even know what you break in. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a honestly, it's, yeah a it's honestly all foul too because they really do try to like play you and say that uh, you deserve this amount, and I just don't understand Period. how in Chicago is uh, you don't get a percentage of bar sales when you're the one selling the damn drink. Like, so let me do the math. Let me do the math. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have nobody to drink, sir. Portland is a good example for this shit. They'll make you seem like, oh, you don't have to pay to rent the venue. You just get, you know, you just get to keep the door. You don't get no bar sales. You want us to be on this mic telling everybody, oh, go go to the bar, go get the drinks, get the drinks, all this stuff, but yet you don't. Maybe I could have done this in my backyard. So let's let's really no let's um. really figure this out. <laughs> I could have just rented a venue and rented some yeah. chairs. Like why do I need to? Why are we in partnership here? Why are we doing this? If you are not getting at least. 10, 15% of the bar, honestly, 15%, mm-hmm. at least 15% of the bar, there's an issue going on. And the reason why they don't want to give you the math is because the math is not adding up. They don't want to open up the books because it's not adding up. Yeah. Their 20. books are fucked up. That's what I had to learn that lesson from personal, from people personally. When you don't, when you know that friend where when you go to them for information and they all guarded about it and they're like, oh, I don't want to tell you this. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. You should just ask Google. It's because they don't know. Don't take yeah. it personally. They want to say, oh, you need to do the work. They don't know. Yeah. When mm-hmm. I did soft power, I said, this is how much you'll make. This is the basis where I can yeah. guarantee. I can guarantee yeah. this if we pull in this total amount based on this many people coming. If we, everybody knows the math, everybody's going to be more invested in it. If I know that I could get my baseline of my base pay by getting 50 people in Absolutely. Shit, Absolutely. if I get paid half of my fee beforehand, 
to so I can send those messages to those people because that's let's be real, Facebook, all that shit, it's overcrowded. It's overcrowded. The way yes. you really, really get it is like if you have a personal newsletter, if you're texting your friends, that's a lot of fucking labor to do this marketing. And up until two years ago, niggas was expecting us to do all that shit for six drink tickets and a bottle of champagne. I'm over here like, and then you want to be mad and a bitch because it's like, oh, I didn't yeah. because, uh, uh, because, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. That part. Very bad. <laughs> Very fucking bad. So I just think it's like, I think what... What I'm to me yeah. is if there was more yeah. rigor, more discipline. No, it's not just enough to be booking these shows just on Facebook. And that's Ooh. also that's also a whole nother talk that we have to have because you know, like drag a lot of the times is done under the table. So it's just yeah. it's time to buckle up and actually, you know, start a union commit to me. store and commit yeah. to people because the thing is is that like you might be able to pull that shit in Timbuktu where you only got four drag queens Period. who can't pin in their wigs. But <laughs> in Chicago, baby, this is like the Mecca right Period. now. Like, don't play it. Right. <laughs> and we are, legit. There are so many fucking drag moguls in Chicago. I mean, shit, we're on the phone oh with them. God. But like, like, and the idea that bars try to like just have you like basically shake on it yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'll keep doing this, and then you know the wind could blow one time tomorrow, and you find yourself ass out. I'm not gonna say who, but you know you could just end up with nothing. Yeah. And uh huh, But you know, if you don't protect your, if you don't protect yourself, you know you got to make sure that these bars can't just take your bag away from you at the drop of a dime. Yeah. Well, and also this model, the way that it's set up, helps continue this like abuse. Basically, it yeah. helps put people in charge and teaches these people put in charge that they have to continue doing it this way to stay in charge and make this money and to continue like keeping people thinking that they're supposed to be working, you know, yeah. under yeah. someone else. Like that's that whole fucking mo- yeah, it is. Yeah, it absolutely really is. is. It's colonization for real. It is capitalism for real. Because when we're talking about this shit. It's at every single level like I really need y'all to envision what liberation looks to y'all on every single level and make in your in your business yes for real because I when you're saying my hands are tied I don't believe that I don't fucking accept that my hands are tied no it's not yet yeah, period bitch because if you said my hands are tied to Harriet Tubman she would shoot you in your fucking nope. face Okay. <laughs> Period. Legit Period. though. Legit though. If y'all know the real here, it's fucking legit though. Legit though. And my uh, thing is, it shouldn't feel restitution should not feel comfortable for you. As uncomfortable as we've been feeling with your foot on our necks, when you try to correct that shit, you should feel like it's a loss. It should feel like, ooh, I just ooh, that really yeah, that, that took the yeah. that hurt my pockets. It's it should hurt happened. your pockets. Someone's going yeah. to have to pay for your ancestors' Let's crimes, doll. Someone Hello. Someone. Yeah, and we've been paying for it for too long. Either Like, you either gonna have to pass it or take that L, but somebody about to take this ass whooping. Let's be fucking real. When we're gonna talk about it, like, oh my God, let me not even get into this conversation. But people, white people need always talking about, oh, that's, that was in the past, that was in the past. No, it's in the future because you st- that energy is still there. That energy yes. is there in everything that you do because people have not confronted their ancestors' ways of doing things. Baby, you like you still got slave master tendencies. Mm-hmm. Hello. I, I think we, yeah. And it's just like, I think oh, we no. talk about, uh, we, we do a lot of talking about like genetic trauma, but no yes. one's talking about genetic Period. privilege. That Why shit is in genetics. Yeah. We, need to, we need to normalize that. Yeah. The way that your ancestors have treated us, that's in your genes to treat us like that as well. Mm-hmm. The way these the way these Karens be hopping into their white tears, it's fucking oh. it's a reflex. Oh it's a reflex. God. It's, it's, it's a, a survival. It's a survival. It just bam instantly, just playing the victim, and you're like, "Damn, who taught you that? 
<laughs> We've seen it happen in real time <laughs> lately. Yeah, right. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Uh, we were talking about the clubs, weren't we? Were we talking about the club? Yeah. <laughs> but that's where you see the most oppression is in these clubs, though. That's where we see the yeah. most, though. Petty, we we DJs and we're AFAB DJs. We know the shit that we take. And like you said, fifty dollars. Yeah, that's average. That's how much they offer. See, that's like fifty dollars. That's why they're not even playing. And I'm about to continue to do the math. I was just about, about to continue say, to do math. Yeah, we got to be on the same board. We, we got to be on the same board as entertainers and as promoters. Like, okay, my hands are tied. Fuck you. I'm taking this elsewhere. But we can't have the uh-huh. next promoter be like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yes, yeah, sir, massa. We, we, we got to be on the same accord. Yeah. So yeah. I, really, I was like, I really had a point, you know, in Chicago. I had, I had to be like, what's the point of having a minimum? Because every single six months, going back to another lyric from a prophetess, Jungle Pussy. Every six months, I get to raise in my prices. Yeah, prices. Yes, my life. Or I gotta keep them on. Uh, yeah. Awesome, man. You gotta keep them on pause for the drop. Like I'm ISIS. Every six months, I get to raise in my prices. Every six months, I got to raise my prices. Every six months, as a DJ, twice a year, I raise my price. And I think I, that that I'm, is totally valid too. Exactly. Is that like yeah. everyone? Hell everyone yeah. should be be raising, yeah. especially if you work at one place for those six months. You should be able to ask for a raise in those six months if you are not yeah. doing the work for the raise, then that's a whole nother conversation. That's but it. to say that a raise is out of the talks when you, when it's I'm shit. consistently doing my job and bringing you what I am what I promised, Period. no. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We're not yeah. You're just like any other brand. You're like any other brand. Your equity in your brand has gone up, so my prices exactly. go up. Exactly. I don't know why people can't understand yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, before that, inflation. True. Like, let's be real. Like, let's talk about, like, we live in a society you can't get a full meal at McDonald's for five dollars. You gotta spend twelve dollars at McDonald's to get <laughs> like, it's like damn. <laughs> no, for real though. That's the root of it. <laughs> it's, if if McDonald's gonna raise their prices, I gotta raise my prices too. That's period. Period. <laughs> so I'm over here like put that on a shirt. On, I kept I don't eat McDonald's, saying, like, sorry. oh, I will make exceptions for this. I kept on making exceptions because of oh, this cause, this cause. And then I was like, what's the point of having a minimum if I keep going past it? If these niggas don't hear me play, okay, they don't hear me play. I got mixes you can listen to for free. If you want to pay me fifty dollars for a DJ, yeah. set, here's a list of mixes. Play those at the yeah. game. And give me those $50. And still give me the fifty dollars. Let's be realistic. In person responding to the energy. You don't want a person there exactly uh, looking at the yeah. live performance, giving feedback. Like I'm a fucking serious DJ. I'm not about to play a eight minute song and then do a four track bar transition into another eight minute song. I plays down. I am in the tradition of the Chicago shit. Yeah. More, yeah. more than that, I'm in, like an indigenous African Nigerian Yoruba woman. Like I, this is some culturally research shit. I'm like, shit, I'm a good ass. Hell yes. So it's an insult to me to offer this much, but it's an insult to my ancestors to accept it. So I had to just be like, you know what? Yes. Yes. Zoom call, and you know what? I might get fifty dollars in tips that moment, but I know that I'm going to get something else out of it if I created my own flyer for it. If I, you know, set this up for myself versus having some bar do all that shit. The flyer isn't doesn't bang that much. They don't even you know they share it once a week. Horrible graphics. They share it once, once during yeah. the week. The caption ain't even interesting. They might tag me. Like Maybe they might tag. Nothing like that. No city girl yeah. thing in it. Oh, no. so I'm over here. I know if I put like it, 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 you would. It's hard because it's so much more work for that fifty dollars. But I know that work is going to transition into something else, like actually organizing and putting for myself. That's why I'm over here. I'm not beholden to any fucking bar, any fucking system, any fucking clout shit, any fucking regular system of organization steps, anything in Chicago, because it's not worth it. None of it is worth it. All these niggas are, I mean, I don't want to use the word broke because we don't want to, you know, claim that, but y'all pockets is not heavy. Their pockets are light. Their pockets are light. Honestly, no, I'm going to say they're not broke, but their pockets are not broke. They should be because they're they're giving something to somebody else 
like I'm really serious. Like especially I'm I'm also talking about not necessarily all these white people. I'm talking about <laughs> the bigger scene at large because I'm not you know I'm not even though I'm a part of the Chicago drag scene. I'm a floater. I'm around a lot of different scenes. There are a lot of rap niggas in Chicago that are not paying child support. You know, stuff like that. That's oh crazy. my God. <laughs> Ooh, like, to sum it up, to sum it up. <laughs> and on that note, make your own shit. Always have your own shit, y'all. Because <laughs> don't work for nobody. Put your shit on bank. Don't put your shit on Spotify, but understand you're going to have to get streams for 16 cents. So see, as y'all all can see, everyone who's listening to this right now, this is uh, this is one of my favorite things about Petty Crocker. Because when I met Petty Crocker back when uh, Petty was uh, going to SAIC, uh, I met her as a young lady. She always had this fucking voice, and she always would fucking speak up and advocate for herself and the people that she fucking loved. <laughs> and she has continued that shit, and it's been fucking fantastic to see this beautiful young woman out here fucking yeah. killing the game and continuing it like you she started off the fucking conversation she said let me tell y'all what i said i said the prompt is she said i am the prompt (laughs) she said i got this intro and everything like goddamn that's some fucking power though like betty thank you so much for fucking being here and being part of this conversation Everyone who's listening to this, um, give all your fucking money to Petty Crocker. Look up that amazing fucking business that she runs. Petty, where can we find this business and more about you? Yes, well, Petty Butter is a hiatus, but I'll let y'all know. She's going to come back very, very soon. I she has to. I need to, like, wish me very well. I have I've been applying for grants. Yes, been, yes. You know, I really, really... I love Petty Butter, but it's just been a home business, and it cannot be a home. Like, I just moved into a beautiful ass new apartment it's a palace and yes this to be my place of rest so i really wanted to get some real coins so i could rent out like a small studio a small space in chicago studio. and be able to like make petty butter in a safe healthy environment so wish me well on these brands you can check out Petty Butter at pettybutter.com. Yes. You can, you know, give me some coin at Venmo or Cash App. You know, at Petty Butter, Cash Sign Petty Butter. <laughs> yes. Because really, yes. on some real shit, I'm trying to tap into this uh, energy of abundance. Because I've been in an energy of scarcity yeah. for way too long. Yes, you deserve it. Um, you can find me at uh, at Petty Mogul on Twitter. That's where I am most of the time these days. I'm on uh, Instagram at currently at Little Petty Crocker L I L Petty Crocker. I'm trying to change that shit to Petty Mogul. Is yes, uh, yes. Hopefully by the time this podcast, yes, that energy of abundance. Like I am really, I can do everything. And you sure can. You sure fucking can. And, the best yeah the fucking best and we will continue to see that and we will also do whatever we can to make sure that we can make this happen miss bambi yeah how you doing over here girl i'm high as balls i I had to i had to hit the bong one time after that speech but she took me we i I love that i absolutely love that like y'all missing out i love that we get a chance to actually like see each other but the fact that y'all get to listen to us well you know you should pay us for that also but i think that i think that on this note we're going to say goodbye to all of our lovely guests thank you so much the vixen thank you so much much, jay rice thank you so much petty crocker Y'all heard the information. Make sure you're following them and supporting them way past just tomorrow, this next month, this next year. They are fantastic fucking artists and people who are doing the actual work in our community. So open your purse. Open your fucking purse for them. Yes, that was so amazing. Thank you so much to our guests for coming in and rocking our world. Holy shit. Lucy, it's time to smoke and get into these fan questions. Yes, let's do it. You know, I actually uh, lit my joint a second ago. I didn't want to say nothing yet, but... uh, Look, you're all good. Look, I've been hitting this bong a little bit. I hope y'all hear it for the ASMR. Yes, ooh, give us that. Ooh, that light bubble. Oh, yes, the light bubble. Mm. (laughs) Oh, shit. (coughs) 
child. That was a beautiful conversation. But uh, <coughs> oh god. Okay. Oh god. Oh god. We wild. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to these questions. Okay, so our first question is from Tara Cards. In a year, oh, in a year, where would you like to see Chicago drag at now since the creation of the CBD? Oh, sorry, CBDC uh, and its influence. Well, <laughs> um, I think that, you know, people are tired of hearing my voice in the situation. What you got to say, baby? You know, I would like to see a world where there's a lot of people of many different races producing a lot of their own shit. Like, I want to see people's drag visions come uh, to life in a lot of interesting different ways. And I want drag to be about the artistry again and not the business as much in Chicago. Um, I want there to be a network of actual sisterhood where we're uplifting our younger queens and they are able to like learn faster and people don't feel threatened that their spots will be taken just because someone uh, younger also wants to participate in the art form of drag. Hello. You know? Hello. So that's like my vision. Also, you know, us getting paid fair wage, but we already talked about that. So. We could have. Ooh, and then, what you doing over there? You smoking a little? I was oh. like, oh. I was like, if we're going to have the hour real quick, let me just. Uh, you know, don't even invite me to the. I'm sorry. I was going to tell you, but I didn't think the coffin was. Oh, there you go. There you go. Mmm. Mm. Mm. That was me blowing the- mm. That Good was beautiful. ASMR for you ladies, for you ladies out there. <laughs> I love the ASMR. Um, if you'd like to listen to my ASMR podcast, please. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's get into the next question, Lucy. So the next question is from the real slim Gracie. Hell yes, Gracie. Uh, Gracie asks, with the dismantling of previous leaders and gatekeepers in the Chicago queer scene, how do you navigate the expectations and possible pressure that comes with being specifically Black public figures during this current revolution? Well, um, simply stated, I'm kind of already used to it. Like, uh, being, yeah. a, being a Black person and a Black uh, public figure uh, you could say it's um, it kind of comes with the territory like we're used to dealing with that and I think that a lot of the time while you see a lot of the same people in those positions it's because they can kind of like handle that like kind of pressure um, not saying that you know I'm like I'm so tough and like throw whatever at me but like I'm a little bit more adept at like dealing with these sort of situations so it comes a little bit more like natural to me to um to uh, kind of feel like that that pressure against me um just just in living just in general yeah I feel I definitely agree that like as black queer artists you uh, and someone who is like you know just seen around the community you're automatically going to have to grow a tough skin because things are going to come at you every which way so um i feel like with this yes we do have a new like current state of our drag scene but i feel like we've been preparing for this for a while i think that every black artist that's come up in chicago has prepared for this in a while it's a, it's been a lot of like secrecy and now it's just out you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, was a, it was a lot of us like, you know, looking to our sisters and being like, hey, make sure you watch out for this, this and this. Um, but now we don't have to make it a secret anymore. It's out. So I think that's the only real thing that's changed. Um, and I don't have no pressure. I feel no pressure for telling the truth. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like why I'm tired of carrying that people should never have to carry that. Like, um, that's something that people need to like kind of unpack on their own. So like, you know, and I know it's not as simple as just telling someone like you shouldn't feel this like pressure, but I'm going to do the work in my own ways to make sure that people feel less of it. Um, because I know that not everybody can handle it the same way that I can. So yeah, we're we're going to continue pushing through it, like because that's who we are. Exactly. So this next question is from Nathaniel Oakley Six. Mm-hmm. How do you 
feel about the idea that us as Black people have no choice whether or not to become advocates for human rights, as we have had to be uh, those people since the day we were born? Um, Personally, I feel that, you know, it is very hard it, it, yeah, it like in the words of Lucy Stool, it sucks. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. yeah, like that that does suck. Um, but I think that without having something to fight for, we wouldn't know how to really like treat one another and how to like band together i feel Mm. like there there is a lot yes there is a lot of like things that suck about you know having to be advocates for human rights and but like it also like has taught us to survive and create a different language so i'm kind of also like grateful to have the chance to um I'm just grateful to have the chance to be black, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't want it to be like, um, I like my whole life is me like fighting for my human rights. Cause yes, all of us run into that. And uh, that is something that is a part of being black. But I feel that also there are really great things that come out of being black as well that I feel like should be more celebrated than just thinking about how much it sucks to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That was like a really high like roundabout, but no, like, you know no. what I'm saying? Like I it's just like this is a really hard question to answer because there's like a really like it's really hard to not feel negative about saying like, oh, I have to fight for my life. Yes, yeah. I'm fighting for my life. Well, no, absolutely. Because I mean, but, I do feel it's everyone's responsibility to speak up for disenfranchised people and people who would need our help. That being said, I do not think that any uh, any black person or any person of color should have to spend their entire lives, you know, like having to prove that they're a person or they deserve worth. Yeah. <clears throat> that being said, like, the way our fucked up, you know, like world is, we are having to do that. <laughs> so like, it's this, it's this weird, like fucked up, like catch 22 that we're like trying to figure out like how to solve. And a lot of that comes with these allies and other people actually speaking up and doing some actual real work because that shouldn't be our fucking responsibility. We didn't do this work. We didn't set up this fucking system. We do not deserve to have like our fucking lives like fucking wasted to that. Like that's yeah. that's work that they need to fucking do. And so as we said, you know, someone is going to have to pay. Yes. For your ancestors' crimes. You have and whether, to. And whether it is you or your future children, somebody's gonna get this ass whooping. Yeah, so like you so should you might want to take it for us yeah. instead of against us. Exactly. So I'm like, oh my god, my good grief. So let's get to our last question real quick. We have one more question. So the next question is from KM DeVille. Yes, Caramel DeVille, another black bearded beauty here in the scene with us and actually one of the producers of our show. I see you snuck in your own question, you little hussy. Let's see what she has to say. We never forget as black indigenous people of color a moment we were slighted or disrespected. Can you name a specific moment you felt heard, seen, and supported by your community? A specific moment you felt heard, seen, and supported by your community? Bambi, what what comes to you? Um, The first time that I felt like I was seen, felt, heard, you know, um, was when I did the vitamin water commercial. Because (sighs) I was in Houston... Uh, visiting my parents and giving birth to my drag daughter, Dynasty Banks. Dynasty! Yeah, and I was receiving, like, emails and, like, uh, messages, and I was just, like, a baby queen, so 
uh, I really thought it was like my debt collector. So I really was like pushing it off. But come to find out that people were like uh, referring me for a vitamin water commercial. Um, and I had no idea. Uh, so I like signed on to that real quick. Uh, had to fly back to Chicago on that Friday. And I was like on set by that Sunday. Um, I borrowed like a bunch of clothes from my sisters because I had nothing. Um, and it was just like the first time that I feel like my community really like supported me and like saw what I was doing and like uplifted me. <laughs> Hell yes. And you fucking deserve that. You deserve that from the very beginning. You literally like tumbled right out of fucking college into the drag scene and just started like fucking killing it. You were the it girl from like the beginning, bald head and all. Like. <laughs> I didn't tell any bitches. She was like, I don't need a wig. I'm gorgeous. I don't need wigs. Some of you bitches need wigs. Let's get this out there now. Some of you bitches need wigs. I'm a bitch who needs a wig. But me, I don't need a wig, okay? And that's okay that you need a wig. It's okay. I need a wig. It's okay. That is okay. But don't bring that wigotry over here because I don't need it. <laughs> I do it for fun, okay? Uh- I do it to feed you bitches. She does it okay? for the key. She does it for the key. She does it for the key. That's it. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Can you name a specific moment you felt hurt, seen, and supported by your community? I'm gonna go to one that will forever live in my drag like memory, and that is my uh, good friends surprising me with the Work.com Drag Queen of the Year Award. Yes! <laughs> oh my god! At our first Chicago is a drag festival. Like what a magical moment! It was the fucking magical moment, and my like perfect like ball gown, <laughs> like yes. up there at our first like festival and it's like fucking the fucking dream and like here I am like presented this award in front of like my community it was um a very 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 huge moment for me and for I think a lot of people like fucking seeing that a lot of people got to see this like weirdo like black queer like up here on this like stage and be like celebrated in this way it was super cool it was sickening. Yeah. Was <laughs> it was a special fucking moment. It was a special moment. Unless he stole this really bad. Here's this dress right here, too. She's hanging up right here. Oh my God. <laughs> That's her. You know, I thought it was my year. Bambi's <laughs> like, how dare? Well, I guess Lucy can have it. I'll take 2020, and then we saw how that went. Yeah. So. Well, no one wants. <laughs> nobody wants so, this year. 2021, look out, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, watch out for her. God and with damn that it. being said, that is the end of our podcast. We love y'all. If y'all wanna come find me, y'all can reach me at Bambi Banks Boulay on Instagram, Venmo, and Cash App, and it's Bambi Banks on Twitter. Lucy, where they where can they find? I am at Ty as Ty is Lucy Stool on all platforms. That's T Y I S L U C Y S T O O L E, and that's on Instagram. That's on Cash App. That is on Venmo. Like that's on Twitter, honey. I'm everywhere. Everywhere. So we hope y'all have a lovely day and goodbye. Take care. Bye bye.